Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. The music world moves fast. Want to stay up to date on the latest albums and get in-depth examinations with the artists? Check out Consequence of Sound, the podcast. Bite-sized album reviews for the music fan on the go who wants to stay in the know and much more. Subscribe to the series on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider and let the writers of Consequence of Sound steer you right. Check it out at consequenceofsound.net slash podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening from today, hit the subscribe button right now so you can keep up with all of these interviews. And then go ahead and leave a rating and a review as well. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest is Ben Gibbard of the band Death Cat for Cutie. We're going to talk about their new record, Thank You for Today, The Ghosts That Inhabit the LP. It's also a little bit of talk about Scott Hutchinson of Frightened Rabbits, who Ben was uh, really close with. Now, I'm also going to include a bonus interview with Benjamin Gibbard uh, after this one right here. Uh, it was one I taped last year at the uh, towards the end of 2017. Ben had just covered uh, one of his all-time favorite records, Bandwagon-esque by the band Teenage Fan Club. So you'll be able to hear that interview as well. But it starts with the 20th anniversary of Death Cab for Cutie's debut record, Something About Airplanes. It's Kyle Meredith with Death Cab for Cutie. Hello. Hey, Ben. How are you? Good. How's it going, man? Doing all right. Excited to be talking to you about new music already. Uh, we, we talked late last year I about know, the covers too. record, and, and here you are already again. Yeah, it's like this, these things just kind of, time just flies by, you know, the older you get. So thank you for today. I, I noticed that, it, you know, it's, it's going to be released on August 17th. 
exactly almost 20 years to the day that something about airplanes was released. You missed it by one day. That cannot. Oh, we did. Oh my God! I didn't know. I didn't realize that. I knew it was probably around the same time, but that's that would have been that's really trippy. I, it's. <laughs> I thought there's no way that could be a coincidence. Pretty, yeah, because I mean, you figure what is it every? I mean, how often? How often do? I guess it'd be every seven years, right? The same. Mm-hmm. Se, you know, seven, seven years they end up on the same day. So I guess if it was twenty one, twenty one was that? Am I doing this right? If it was twenty one years difference, we'd end up on the same day. Yeah, there you go. So you missed it by one day, twenty years ago. Your debut album, I guess, I guess the debut full length kind of made its way out. And I thought, wow, that's that's pretty awesome. I will say this, though. I mean, you know, in, in regards to the release date for something about airplanes, the things were a little looser in those days. And I think the release date was whenever we got the CDs in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> we took them down. We took them down to Cellophane Square in Bellingham and put them for sale. So, you know, I, I think I think there's been retroactively a, 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 an official release date given that record. But at the time, it was, you know, there, there wasn't really a. Uh, things were a little looser back then. <laughs> it's funny. Well, I, I do sort of want to talk about the present by, by hitting on that past just a little bit. Because, you know, it, when, when I started the new record, Thank You For Today, and, and you hear those opening sounds of I Dreamt We Spoke Again, my first thought was, you know, there's some really interesting minimalism in, in the moments that recall those early days. And I, and I sort of wondered if, if at any point you were, so, you know, maybe looking back a little bit for the sound for parts of this record well you know i think when i was when i was writing songs for this record and we were and i found myself meditating a lot on what is it that we do best as a band and i think with you know with chris's departure and you know um, dave and zach joining us in the studio for this first time I, I you know was thinking a lot about bands that had kind of lost seminal members or you know how 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 did bands kind of move on and continue past those kind of events where and how do bands go wrong as they continue to kind of exist you know, past, you know, the, the earlier records. And it's, I think a lot of it comes down to, I, I wanted to be very cognizant of what this band has always been good at and a, a style of songwriting, a style of guitar playing that I have become, you know, in our own little world, kind of known for. And I think that, you know, what the songs that are the fans' favorite songs tend to also be my favorite songs. And, you know, when we're playing a song and we have the facts that, you know, is kind of a fan favorite, it's also one of my favorites for, you know, the same reasons. So, you know, it wasn't so much that I wanted to write an album that was or that we consciously were sitting around trying to make a record that was steeped in early death cabisms, but it was more so that that's just those particular style of songs and guitar interplay and, and lyrics and things like that were are, are a large part of why people love this band and why and, and why I love this band. And we wanted to kind of, you know, really rep- represent what I what was a very what I would consider a very classic death cab sound on this record and there are lots of sounds all over the record but it, it seems like that would be a fine line maybe uh celebrating the past with, without being captive in it held captive in it is, is that anything you've ever struggled with is that part of the struggle well i i i don't necessarily think so because the methods by which we make records have changed so dramatically in the past 20 years i mean you know something about airplanes was recorded on a reel-to-reel eight-track tape machine <laughs> you know the the minimalism of that record and the sounds the mid-fidelity of that record you know are due in large part to the tools that we were using at the time and you know we've gone from you know as everybody has gone from you know relatively restricted methodologies on eight track tape to 
you know, living in a world now where, you know, everybody has a 32 track recording studio in their, in their iPad, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and we have all individually, the five of us, you know, embraced new methodologies and the fact that we can create these sonic kind of landscapes that are richer and kind of more intricate than we were able to in, in the past. So, you know, I don't think we could, we couldn't remake any of those early albums that we tried just because we've gotten used to making records in this modern world. Well, I'll jump into this this new record, into the modern modern world, as you've said right there with Thank You To Today. As I look through it with any album, uh, with, with any with any band where, you know, there's the one person is the main songwriter, you know, you, you start to see those threads as songs are written at the same time. And, and as I look here, you've written about ghosts before, but they really seem to be everywhere on this record, whether it's a ghost of a place, a ghost of a time or a ghost of a person being left behind you know by these ghosts too i i, I sort of wonder you, you know I'll, I'll ask the the <laughs> the easy version of the question what's on your mind you know what, what's going on have you noticed the thread yourself you know i think there were there were certainly a couple ghosts on the last record I, you know i think given my you know failure of my first marriage and you know the move down to la and then back and you know as i would drive around la after i'd moved home to Seattle, there were, you know, seemed to be kind of a lot of ghosts around every corner, you know. But I think in I think in this record, the ghosts are a little bit more uh, benevolent. The, the ghosts are just a lot of relatively fond memories that are just kind of a middle-aged man at this point, you know, are kind of drifting deeper into my rear view from certainly at, you know, moments of my early 20s. But a lot of them, they constitute a lot of fond memories and bittersweet times. So, you know, I, I, I think this is probably the last record of ghost references for some time, but... Uh, <laughs> But I, I've always found I've always found a lot of kind of inspiration and in, in ghost as metaphor, you know. Well, you, you know, you, you said that middle life thing, and I, I looked at the uh, the titles of even summer years and autumn love, and you think I don't know, man. That seems like exactly what we're hitting at right there. <laughs> yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult to not become somewhat introspective at this point in your life. I mean, I, I've said a couple times in talking in this record, it's like you know, if I'm lucky, I'm at the middle point of my of my life. You know, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm lucky, I'm you know, I've got as much time in front of me as I have behind me. So, you know, there is this kind of point of no return, and you know, element of you know, I think at this point in my life, both looking forwards and backwards with equal in equal measure, as opposed to when I was 20 and I was only. Not the I, I want to bring up one of those ghosts, and I don't want to take us to a too dark, dark of a place, but uh, but you and I uh, both knew Scott Hutchinson, and um, I noticed that the, the yeah. record is in memory uh, of Scott. Uh, well, he's, you know, he's not directly a part of these songs, you know, because, you know, he, he only passed away a couple of months ago and we finished the record in, in January. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I loved him very much, and, and he was, you know, before we were friends, you know, I had just, I had kind of, somebody had given me the Midnight Organ fight, and it, it was a record that, it was the exact record I needed at that time in my life. At that time, you know, I guess I was 2008, you know, and I guess I was 32 at that point, and starting to hit that point with music where, and there's that, there's that, about that Onion story about, you know, man's lifelong uh, relationship with music ends at 32. Right. You know, it's right. like when people stop listening to new music. And, you know, I, I, I was at a time where I was starting to kind of listen to less and less new music and kind of just kind of fall deeper into the records I already had. And somebody gave that record to me at a point where I was going through some difficulties and it just made this huge impression on me. And, and you know, we invited them on tour and they ended up doing a tour of Europe and a tour of the States with them. And we just really... He was just a really wonderful human being. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I was just, I, I, like many people, were just devastated to hear 
how he took his own life. And as, as we all do, we wish in hindsight that we could have said something or done something to help him in that time. I, I've said many times before, my two favorite lyricists uh, post-2000, uh, you and Scott Hutchinson. Um, and I, I was lucky to get to know him really, really well, too. And uh, I, I, I love seeing that. I love seeing that in the liner notes. And, you know, it was, um, of course, hard for me not to, to turn around and, and start to re-listening to some of those songs, not knowing if they were there or not. And I'll point out, uh, as you've obviously answered that question right there, but the, the lead-off track has become my favorite. And when I, I look at that, you know, I dreamt we spoke again, it's, it's really easy to remember all of those times that's happened to me, you know, when someone who has passed or, or I've lost or, or whatever, and, and suddenly you get that visitation. I don't know that I'm that religious of a person at all. I, I don't really think about any of that side of things, but that, I think that's about as close as I get when you get visited when you're in the sleep and it's a really great moment right there. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I, I wanted to write it without, without any context. There is no indication of what the relationship with is with the person who is being sung to in the song. Uh, and I, I, I wanted to write, I wanted to kind of present it in that fashion so that it was left open to interpretation, you know, listener interpretation. And it could be someone who was, you know, once a partner or it could be, loved one who passed or it could be a friend that you hadn't spoken to in years it wasn't necessarily connected to death specifically but um that that could be inferred if 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 one kind of had somebody in their life that was no longer with them well it definitely resonated for me and i do thank you for another lovely track like that that also by the way pulls off that really cool trick of um taking a ballad and making it a dance track i mean what a what a cool little groove <laughs> Well, you know, that's, I mean, that's quite a death cabism, right? You know, an upbeat song with sad lyrics. It's right. kind of, it's something we've, we're famous for. You, you, you might not give me the answer on this. Is, is there a, a direct person in mind for 60 and punk? Because that's, uh, I think that's a story that we've all looked at and kind of went, ooh, you know, for, for, for some folks. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a story about someone that I care for very deeply that unfortunately for in, in interviews such as these must kind of remain anonymous. Mm. But, uh, you know, I'll say this in, you know, I think we all kind of have moments in our life where, you know, our heroes let us down. Uh, and, and one can, one can view that through the lens of being disappointed that someone that you admire has, has let you down and has, has become something less than who you thought they were. But I think there's also something very humanizing in that, that every person, everyone that we look up to in life is a human being, you know, with flaws and conflicts internal and otherwise. And, uh, yeah, I wrote that song for someone I I admire very much who in the moments of severe alcoholism was very disappointing to me. But, you know, the silver lining for my relationship with this person is that they are they've been sober now for some time and and uh, have, have, have kind of certainly grown from the moments that, that are depicted in that song, which is which I'm very happy about. But, you know, there's a lot, you know, the line in the song about, you know, is, is a superhero growing bored with no one to save anymore. It's like there's, you know, some of our heroes, we free them in their finest moments. You know, it's like it's always the photos of a young Mick Jagger or Jimi Hendrix or something like that on the wall, you know, looking cool. But, you know, it's like there are certainly moments, you know, where, you know, life, life thankfully for a lot of those artists, you know, life goes on and 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 one cannot be you know, you can free, you can freeze your heroes on your wall at a, at a, at a prime in their lives. But for you know, in a lot of ways, those lives move on and, you know, people go through trials and tribulations and make mistakes because they're human beings. You know? Yeah, it's got it's got to be interesting to write from a subject like that and, and maybe be aware that someone has also, you know, your own fans have, have sort of put you on that same kind of pedestal. Do you deal with that at all, or, or you know, you just sort of let it be because I guess that's ultimately out of your control. 
Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of it is outside of my control, but I think that, you know, I certainly subscribe more to the Ian Mackay school of uh, musicianship and uh, quote-unquote rock star, and then I do, you know, the Bono school of, of the matter, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, you know, I, I remember seeing an interview with Ian Mackay years ago where he was talking about someone who was, like, you know, at a Fugazi show and, like, spit on him and called him a rock star or something like that, and, you know, he kind of stopped the show and basically told, in a very, I'm assuming a very Ian Mackay way, you know, look, it, you know, you are creating, you are creating this person who you see in front of you. I am not this person. You know, you have, you have placed me on a pedestal I do not wish to be there, but you've placed me there and you have create you have inferred all of these things about me and the way I view myself, which I in fact do not view myself this way. And you know, and, and I, I really I was really kind of moved by that at a time that I was kind of struggling with kind of my identity as a musician when the band was starting to kind of become successful. So yeah, I mean look, I mean I certainly there are, you know, people that is, you know, you know, my status and you know, I mean I just spent two weeks traveling, you know, in Scandinavia with my wife and you know, maybe one person recognized me. And then, you know, I came back here and people recognized me, you know, in a much higher frequency. So fame is, is, is very relative. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like if you go to another, if you, if, you know, you go to the, the UK and turn on the TV. I remember seeing a comedian who said something like, you know, look at all these people in the UK on TV pretending to be famous. You know, it's <laughs> like every, it's like, you know, if you, if you don't view them as famous, they're not famous. So it's, it's a very, you know, fame is, is completely relative and, and, you know, one has to kind of, you know, you know, kind of walk through their life, uh, not, you know, kind of understanding that if I walk into a record store in Brooklyn, I'll probably get some eyes on me. But if I'm walking to like a, you know, sushi restaurant in Torshaven in the Faroe Islands, no one's going to care that it's me. You know, or even I'm just, I'm just a guy. Well, you're a guy who happens to be one of my favorite musicians and poets. Without putting you on that pedestal, by the way, I, I do appreciate uh, all the music that you've made. And, and I'm really just so happy with this new record. Thank you for today. It seems fitting that every journalist might say this, but thank you for today as that falls out of my mouth, Ben. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate the time. Thank you. I really do, too. Uh, take care, and we'll see you out there. All right, sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Mr. Benjamin Gibbard right there talking about the brand-new Death Cab for Cutie record. Thank you for today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, last year I interviewed Ben. Uh, he had just covered Teenage Fan Club's Bandwagonist from front to back, one of his all-time favorite records, which was a fun thing to geek out about. Uh, I wanted to include that interview here as well as a bonus episode, especially since, well, it's not even a year old. So without further ado, here's part two, Kyle Meredith with Benjamin Gibbard. Hi, how are you doing, Kyle? I'm well. It's a pleasure to talk to you. It's nice to talk to you too. You sound boomy and radio y. <laughs> yeah, before, uh, I, I was thinking, I was trying to think, surely you and I have done an interview before because I've done several with, with Chris a few years ago, and I know I've talked to Nick a few times. And I was racking my brain trying to think the last time we talked, and then it occurred to me that it's because I've listened to so many of your, of, of like live bootlegs and albums of yours that I think I constructed an interview in my head that's never actually happened. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, 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 I know that feeling. There's some people you feel like you kind of, you, you kind of know who you're spoken with because you, you spend so much time with them surreptitiously, you know? That seems like a perfect lead into what we're talking about, in fact. I didn't really plan that, but. That that's sort of what's going on here in in a bit of a different way with you and this this record bandwagon esque that you've covered in full because a record that uh, as I read your favorite album by your favorite band right yeah you know it's it's it is my favorite my favorite record by Teenage Fan Club who are in fact my favorite band I I, I would argue it's not even their best album but mm -hmm. it is my favorite record of theirs I mean I I think one has to make the distinction between 
you know, the album that first brought an artist or a band into your consciousness and what that means and the weight of that sense of discovery. Uh, the one, you know, the wonder of kind of finding something that is in the universe that you didn't know existed and then you, you fell in love with it. But then also the fact that, you know, that artist or band hopefully went on to make some albums that maybe rivaled that one or even bested it. And I, I believe that's the case for Teenage Fan Club. I, that's not obviously meant as a slight to Bandwagon S because I wouldn't have covered it if I didn't feel the way I did about it. But, um, yeah, it's, I think they've, they've made so many great albums, and that's just one of them. You're making me wonder what the what the parallel would be, actually, for Death Cat for Cutie because uh, I, I think I came in like a lot of people on trans, and, and it's uh, this amazing mm-hmm. record. But is it your best record? You know, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's certainly up there. You know, um, you know they're, they're, I, I feel like people's favorite albums by Death Cab are really relate to the, 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 their entry point into the band. You know, I, I feel like uh, we have the facts is 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 kind of the early the early fans' mm-hmm. favorite album. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I think that one certainly rivals Transatlanticism is the best one. Um, but you know, as a band that thankfully for our sake has had numerous entry points, be it in the early days or Transatlanticism being like uh, an obvious breakout record for us, or you know, Plans being this big major label record, you know, that introduced a lot of new people to the band, and so on and so forth. You know, I I, I think that. I think that transatlanticism, if, if it's not the best, it's certainly probably in the top. It's definitely in the top three. And that all really depends on, I think, where your entry point into our band is. And, and while I'm trying not to make this uh, an interview about Death Cab for Cutie, obviously, uh, I will say that um, I, I'll go out on that ledge and say I've called transatlanticism like maybe the best album of the 2010s decade. So that's that's how I feel <laughs> about it anyway. So that's for personal reasons. Well, if, though, if it's you for feel that, if, well, if you feel that way, that makes me that that. I, I'm flattered. And, yeah. and if I, if we've made anything that kind of hits that note for anyone, we're, we're more than thrilled. <laughs> well, let's turn the, uh, turn the spotlight back over to this, this fan club record here with bandwagon S. I mean, you know, favorite album by your favorite band is still, you could have picked any album to cover in full at this point. You know, you're between albums with everything else. And, and I know the setup that, that happened here with being asked, uh, by the uh, what, what's the company uh, called? Uh, Turntable Kitchen. Right. You know they they ask you to do one. You could have picked any album. Was there more than just the favorite thing about this record that made you land on it? You know, I think one of the many factors that made me choose Bandwagon S was that it's you know the the album is is a fairly straightforward record in its construction. You know, I mean, it's you know a lot of big jangly guitars and. My attempt at covering it was in no means, you know, an indictment that there was something missing from the original album. But, you know, I think I, as I, I, I had a couple of records in mind and uh, I, I felt like, well, you know, obviously there are some songs on that record that I want to just kind of pay tribute to exactly as they're arranged because I think they're perfect. But there were some other songs I was like, you know what, I could I could play around with this. I think I could do something different with it. Certainly not better, but uh, I could I could do something a little bit different in the presentation. So, you know, I, I think it lent itself better to, to this approach than maybe some of the other records I was considering. And, and for something that you've heard so many times, did recording the album reveal anything that you hadn't noticed before? Oh, for sure. I you know you know I think for me. Um, I was just really astounded at the complexity of the harmonies. You know, in my attempts to recreate, a lot of them were pretty labored. You know, I mean, it, I mean, for I kind of, you know, uh, foolishly and arrogantly kind of thought that the, the doing the vocals would be like one of the easier elements of of, of of making the record. But you know, it's a testament to how great 
you know, great of uh, arrangers they are and singers that those guys are that, you know, they could create something that felt so simple, so effortless, but uh, was, in fact, you know, incredibly com complex. And so that, that, that was what stuck out to me the most. Um, you know, also, I mean, Raymond is just such a wonderful guitar player, and you know, I'm not. And, you know, like kind of just trying to follow some of his leads and, you know, and try to kind of do my ham-fisted version of guitar solos is quite humbling as well. It, you, then, then there's that funny little song right there sandwiched into track two, with Satan. I mean, this album's kind of full of these little moments by there, but you know, you talk about being a guitar player. Have you, have you ever rocked as hard as you had to with that little cut right there? <laughs> you know, I've, I've been in some punk bands in my day. It was, all, yeah. it, was a, it was a long time ago, but you know, I actually, uh, I actually, you know, whenever they would play Satan live, they would always play it at the end of what you do to me. Or, you know, if they did a short version of the concept, they would add Satan on the end of it. And I, I considered maybe doing what you do to me and going right into Satan as kind of a, a super duper nerdy fan <laughs> homage, but I felt it, it felt it might kind of be lost on a lot of people, so I decided to just kind of keep it as was. But you can always do that live yourself. Yeah, yeah, I guess I could. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, a little busy right now to kind of <laughs> have a whole band learn this album again, but but uh, you know, maybe maybe if, if the time uh, allows, at some point, maybe I will. You just have those little moments, and, and all I kept thinking about was. You know, this was the sound of youth. You know, an album like this really does capture a sound of youth that it's usually kind of harder to have this sort of creativity when you get older. Am I wrong about that? Well, I think one of the things that I find so profound about the album is that, you know, it really kind of spans a pretty wide emotional palette. I mean, you have, you know, some songs that are, dare I say, kind of naive and juvenile. The juvenile, however, but naive kind of love songs like Sidewinder that are kind of just fun and light, you know. And then there are songs like Alpha Holiday that have some just really, you know, just really devastating lyrics in them. And, and Guiding Star is this beautiful song that is both innocent and, and very world, kind of worldly at the same time. And, you know, I... I, I can't put my myself in, in the mindset of, you know, those guys when they're making that album. But, you know, I do think there's, you know, in my own experience, there is something to be said about creating in a virtual vacuum. You know, when I, I recently came across, you know, I, we, my wife and I just moved and, um, you know, I came across a stack of CDRs of Death Cab demos from 1997 and 98. I mean, these are like my early four track demos for some of the songs I made the first album and I, as i was listening back through them i was like wow this is just this just seems effortless in a way that i don't you know i i, I struggle i struggle a little more in in my middle age to kind of achieve the same level of uh effortlessness you know and i think i think i don't think that's because you know i've written my last song or anything like that but i think there's something i think that one's creativity is, is really um, it's really wide open when you're that young because you don't really think that anybody's paying attention and you don't expect anybody to pay attention. So you're just kind of making it really for yourself without any other indications. And as much as I still try to take that approach, you know, there are certainly pressures that are just that exist upon me um, that didn't exist, you know, on my shoulders at that point. So, you know, it's I, I would much rather be in the situation I'm in now than than not, of course. But um yeah, I think I think when you listen back to those, you know, early records by any band, I think you can really hear that. I, I know there's the whole thing about, you know, sometimes you have to look back to, to go forward. And I do this constant argument with myself about trying not to fall into the nostalgic hole 
but you know when you're talking about it sometimes like this and and of course i i lose all the time to that argument by the way <laughs> but <laughs> it, it seems like you can use that to kind of uh to find whatever that next step is for you. I'd be curious if this does end up influencing you in any sort of way in your next soon endeavors. Oh, it absolutely already has. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, one of, one of the most difficult things for, you know, the, the, the I should say that, you know, you know, the, the, the delicate balance that, you know, all artists, especially musicians need to strike as they make records into their thirties and forties and, and beyond is to maintain a self-awareness about what what they're good at, which tends to be also tends to also be fairly you know very closely related to what people like about their music, mm-hmm. but also continue to push push forward and and bring in new elements. And I think for me, one of the bands that's done that incredibly well has been Low. I mean, if you look at Low's catalog, starting yeah. from I Could Live in Hope all the way through you know, their most recent album, they, you know, there are, as with any band that's been making records for, you know, 25 years almost, you know, there are some miscues here and there, but, you know, overall, they are constantly bringing in kind of, they're changing just enough to keep things interesting, but also always staying true to, you know, an aesthetic that has made them so beloved. Well, I, I can, I can throw that at you as well. I, I, I've always been so impressed that you guys have done that. I loved Kintsugi. And, and, you know, as far as the Teenage Fan Club, I, I love their most recent record so much, too. And Norman Blake doing the, you know, I'm in love, just one of the best little simple songs oh, that's came out, you know, in the past few years. Just incredible that he still got that knack. So, yeah. You, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I think, you know, as I, as I look at, I think of all any of my favorite bands who've been making records for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you know, I, I, I can't speak to what their goals are with every album, but I know for us, you know, I, I'd like to think of every album that we make as hopefully adding a handful of tracks to like our mental or, you know, our uh, like literal kind of greatest hits playlist. Like that you want to kind of make sure that every album has, I mean, you want every record to have 10 to 12 like amazing songs that are the best <laughs> things ever written ever, of course, right? That's always the goal. But, you know, I think in reality, I think in reality, you know, it's, you know, I think that at the end of the day, if, you know, nine albums in, if we can make a record that, you know, over the course of a 25 song set, you know, we can play four or five tunes from and have people get excited about them in the same way they get excited about some of the older tunes and, you know, the albums of resounding success. And, you know, that was something that, you know, I think, you know, we certainly felt with Kintsugi and uh, and obviously hoping that that continues with the next record. Well, you're batting a thousand at this point, so I expect nothing less. Well, I, yeah, well, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if you've uh, you, you may not have uh, you may not have uh, conferred with the internet on that one, but I appreciate you saying it. <laughs> uh, ben, it's really a pleasure to talk to you and finally do this interview that I thought I had already done so many times before. So, <laughs> well, it's been it's, it's been nice it's been nice uh, finally talking to you, and um, I'm sure our paths will cross uh, very soon. I, I hope so. Look forward to the next record, and I'll have fun with this one in the meantime. Uh, thanks for talking, and, and take care, Ben. Of course. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. bye. And a big old thanks to Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie. The new album, thank you for today. Uh, hey, kids, you can subscribe to Consequence of Sound's YouTube channel right now to keep up with your favorite artists and interviews. And for you podcast fans, uh, iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you're listening from, Go ahead and hit the subscribe button there and then leave a rating and a review as well. Then you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 4 Eastern. You'll also find bonus episodes of this series over there. 
I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.